At the heart of a global information economy is an organising idea or principle, the network. Networks are both a technical and a social achievement. By technical achievement, I mean the ability to build communication networks, the internet and digital computation that enables the collection, storage, transmission and processing of vast amounts of data across time and space. By social achievement, I mean the way that networks become a kind of organising idea for our society, our workplaces and our cultural life. Google some examples of Amazon warehouses. Apart from their enormous scale, look at the automated machines that sort and organise the books and household items that Amazon sell. An individual consumer clicks on a website through an information network that triggers a robot to go and fetch the book they requested in the warehouse, scan it, package it, label it and send it to them. This is a new kind of factory, one that can automatically and simultaneously respond to the requests of individual consumers. Amazon prides itself on being a highly flexible and data-driven organisation. Its founder, Jeff Bezos, insists that the corporation will not adopt bureaucratic processes, but rather will remain a lean and flexible data processing machine. Amazon is organised as a networked series of teams, each team responsible for producing outcomes that it can demonstrate with evidence from data analysis. We as consumers experience the results of data mining and analysis in the form of Amazon's customer service. In conversation with Walt Mossberg at the 2016 Code Conference, Jeff Bezos describes their use of both flexible data processing and a networked manufacturing and delivery system within the company. Obviously, uh, Google knows a lot about you. Facebook knows a lot about you. You know a lot about what books people want to read and what things people want to buy. And I don't know, maybe you know some other thing. One tells other domains in which you know. I mean, to talk to you, Walt, in particular. <laughs> What about privacy? One of the reasons we always wanted to greet you by name on Amazon is so that you know, as soon as you come to the site, you see, welcome back, Jeff Bezos. You know you're not anonymous on our site. And, and you know that in a way that would never be as clearly uh, articulated by a set of terms and conditions. Because we're greeting you by name. We're showing you your past purchases. It's, it's, and so to the degree that you can arrange to have um, transparency combined with an explanation for what the consumer benefit is. So that's sort of the, the commercial piece. And then you get into um, the sort of uh, the, the uh, tension between uh, privacy and national security. And uh, that's what you see. You know, we, we're very like-minded with Apple on this point. We filed an amicus brief on their behalf. Um, and, but I think, I, I believe that it is an issue of our age and that we as, you know, a, a citizen-run democracy are going to have to deal with that. Personally, in this interview, Bezos points to the persistent tension between data processing systems used as an extension of customer service and the privacy and security concerns of citizens in a networked society. He also points to the casual way we encounter evidence of data mining, processing and analysis. When he describes customers being welcomed by name on Amazon's website, he sees this as a form of transparency, one that is more clear about Amazon's data use 
than a terms and conditions agreement. But what he also alludes to in this clip is that when we come across these clues of how our personal information is gathered and used on media platforms, like being greeted by name, we are, in effect, providing our consent. We consent to these data processing systems by continuing to use them. We are not really being duped. We are aware that our data is collected, and more and more view data collection as a kind of admission ticket to participate in a larger networked society and its forms of culture and commerce. Amazon is a huge and complicated operation, but because it is structured around an information and data processing network, individuals, teams and management can manage it efficiently. Amazon management don't attempt to control the whole business and every decision that is made in the business. Instead, they set the parameters and systems of rewards within which teams and employees compete with each other. This makes for a ruthless yet highly innovative and efficient workplace culture. In 2015, the New York Times published an extensive investigative report on the Amazon workplace. They reported that, To prod employees, Amazon has a powerful lever, more data than any retail operation in history. Its perpetual flow of real-time, ultra-detailed metrics allows the company to measure nearly everything its customers do, what they put in their shopping carts but do not buy, when readers reach the abandon point in a Kindle book, and what they will stream based on previous purchases. It can also tell when engineers are not building pages that load quickly enough, or when a vendor manager does not have enough gardening gloves in stock. Amazon employees are also encouraged to monitor and produce data about each other using an anytime feedback tool. This feedback informs annual rankings of team members and those at the bottoms of the rankings each year are eliminated. In a networked and data-driven organisation like Amazon, employees are not told what to do from above as much as they are given incentives to beat other colleagues and teams and provide data to demonstrate it. Only the best survive. As much of this account of Amazon might be unsettling in terms of thinking about employee well-being and corporate culture, that's not so much the point I want to emphasise here. The point that matters to us is that you can only imagine, create and maintain a corporation like Amazon if you have networked information technologies. The capacity to constantly monitor every aspect of the organisation, produce detailed data about it and determine which elements are functioning and which are not in real time. Also important to note here is the way that networked information-driven organisations combine the best or worst, depending on your perspective, of managerialist and networked approaches. Just like Henry Ford a century earlier, Amazon monitors warehouse employees with sophisticated electronic systems to ensure they are packing enough boxes per hour. While in its Seattle headquarters, Amazon, to quote from the New York Times again, uses a self-reinforcing set of management, data and psychological tools to spur its tens of thousands of white-collar employees to do more and more. The company is running a continual performance improvement algorithm on its staff, said Amy Michaels, a formal Kindle marketer. There are three fundamental differences between the industrial managerial mode of production and the networked mode of production we see in a stark form in corporations like Amazon.
Firstly, where the managerialist sets up hierarchies, issues commands, disseminates ideas and information, the global networker processes, networks, coordinates and controls flows of ideas and data. Secondly, where the managerialist directs and commands, the networker facilitates and steers. And thirdly, where the managerialist controlled particular activities, the networker sets parameters or boundaries within which they encourage and exploit innovation and creativity. If the assembly line was a symbol of the production methods of the industrial society, post-industrial societies are characterised by clean, computer-driven factories. Robots in the factories can adapt and retool to make different goods by reprogramming. If the industrial factory was an engine for mass production, the same good produced over and over again, the post-industrial computer-driven factory is an engine for mass customization individually tailored goods and services depending on the changing demands of individual consumers as they click on websites. <laughs> <laughs>